Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, who is ready for the Eastern Conference Final? Wait, what did I miss? What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. I'm Brandon. Welcoming back my good buddy, Matthew Soma, a recently married, recently honeymooned. He's back. He's fresh. He's ready to roll. Isn't that right? I'm hurt as, I'm hurt as hell, man. I, I, I nearly flew off a boat on the honeymoon. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Brandon, you can see the bro. Oh, that's nasty, dude. Yeah. So, I, I pulled a muscle in my left arm. I've got about, like, a three to four inch long, like, scab now, basically, from where I got rug burned from the boat. So I'm, I'm here. I'm thriving. Everything's great. <laughs> it's brutal, buddy. Well, I'm glad you made it back in one piece. Um, and yes, you did happen to miss a thing or two. Unfortunately, <laughs> the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, as I just... Unfortunate? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, maybe it's been okay with missing it. You missed, uh, you missed a heck of a game seven that they did not come to, did not show up for. <laughs> that's, that's that's one way to put it um yeah I, so i, I kind of said on last week's pod when i was doing solo like i, I didn't want to go too deep into it because i knew you and potentially alex would have your own takes uh, obviously alex he's having his own health issues and he's just got a lot going on so um he's not here with us tonight but um yeah it, it, it what i said was it, it's one thing to not execute and to have a tough game it's another to kind of fail to do the things this organization is kind of built on, which are battle level and getting to your four check. And they just, you know, you got to give credit to the New York Rangers who played a damn near flawless game. They were very, very good in that series. They were better than the Hurricanes in at least five, if not six of the seven games. And they deserve to be in the Eastern Conference final. Uh, and they're giving the Tampa Bay Lightning a run for their money, which I didn't really expect, but um it just seemed like the Hurricanes never got to their game and really struggled to do the little things like any of them that it takes to win in the playoffs. And that's the most alarming thing for me because they've been here for four years now. They shouldn't still be an issue. They still shouldn't be getting out playoff hockeyed by a team that's – they were the new guys. The Hurricanes weren't. They had been here. And instead of doing what the Tampa Bay Lightning and Boston Bruins have done to them so many years in the past – they kind of just 
did this had the same thing happen basically well it's like the canes were one of the best teams on the road this entire regular season they were they were very very good somebody sent me that record uh, not too long ago actually and so there's no excuse it's it's a personnel thing i'd even go so far to say is it's a coaching thing <clears throat> because adjustments weren't made in the game to try and keep the team relevant and keep the team competitive i think you saw a team whose leadership failed to hold the team accountable and it was it was just painful i mean i think right after it was I mean, the yes, special teams were a big part of the reason why that series ended the way it did. The, the Canes power play got nothing done, whereas the Rangers power play seemed to score pretty much every other power play. And uh, we've harped on the power play so much. You see the Rangers making their cross seam passes. They're moving their feet. Like, the Canes did none of that that series. The leadership did not take control of the team and say, listen, we got to wake up. So to me, it's a very disappointing end to the season. It's one that I think is going to create some change in the organization. I'm not saying like massive change as in like Sebastian Ajo has gone or whatever. Like I'm saying it, it's going to mean that this team is going to look very different. The core is going to remain yeah, the same. I, I had an article get posted yesterday and I said, don't be surprised if the changes are a lot more you know, yes, yeah. it was a great team. And, you know, there's really no shame in losing in the second round and seven and being competitive. But I think we're going to see some pretty big changes to this organization this offseason. For me, there is shame because that series didn't deserve to go to seven. Sure. Well, when you look at it from that perspective, yes. But I do see a lot of people saying this team was really, really good. They're in a good spot still. And you they know, are. But I think and I agree with that. Right. That right. Should have. It shouldn't At the have been, yeah. bare minimum made the Eastern Conference final. Yeah. And they didn't do that. And they didn't look. I mean, it's a miracle that the Canes won three games in this series. They should not have won game one. Game two, you know, they had a great goaltending performance from Auntie Ranta, who stole that game for the Hurricanes. Game five is probably the only game of that series that they deserved to win. Game two, they were really good. That was the game they kind of dominated on home ice. That Ronta Yeah, they, they did, but the Rangers still got their chances. I just think Ronta was phenomenal in that game. I, I don't know if we're talking about the same game here because game two, I don't know if the Rangers got a grade-A chance. Uh, I thought they Ronta had, had the shutout, and it was like 17 shots, and the Hurricanes got a 2-0 lead and just melted it down, didn't give them anything. That was the one game the Hurricanes – That really might have been the third game. period when they did that, but I remember the game – feeling a lot closer than it was for a while. Well, that's just because we know the Hurricanes. and <laughs> well, you know. But, yeah, well, I just – I do not know where you go with this team right now. You've got a solid goaltending tandem for next season, but beyond that, you don't know. The defense very clearly did not – it wasn't the issue in the postseason, but – you can't have – here, let me, let me rephrase it this way. I think Tony D'Angelo was a detriment to the Carolina Hurricanes both on and off the ice in that uh, Rangers series. I think the he game was, was so emotionally charged. Yes, exactly. 
he wanted so bad to beat him it almost became a bad thing is what i think happened like he wanted it so bad became a bad thing yeah, yeah. like well it, it was like as soon as as soon as they started getting in his head it was over because he could he not control terrible. himself yeah he he did not have a good series at all i mean defensively offensively he was fighting the puck he was catching passes i mean nobody offensively had a great sure but it was like little things like i remember one power play where he caught a pass and terabine was like the rangers had kind of overcommitted to one side there was a board battle along the hash marks the puck squirts back to d'angelo at the point if he makes a quick needed deep pass gets it over to terabine and he had all day to walk in you know maybe cut somebody cutting from the back door from those hash marks where the battle was maybe somebody's cutting to the net or maybe he takes a shot for once in his life who knows but instead and I just think this one play was such a microcosm of D'Angelo's postseason or second round series anyway, but instead he overhandles the puck, waits too long to pass it, and it got tipped out of the zone for absolutely no reason. Like just little yeah. stuff like that. Like he's just over-processing the game almost. He he just wasn't in the flow. He, he just completely ineffective. And to it's your point, be- you know, it's, it's something we've said like a million times. And I feel like every single year we say this. But this is such a huge offseason for Don Waddell and company. It's the biggest to me. Like, this is by far, you know, it's, it's been increasing importance to get this team in the right position to, you know, take that next step. And this year they failed. They didn't yeah, take a step from last year. This last offseason, it was like, you know, there was pressure on the team, but, you know, they just lost in round two to the defending Stanley Cup champs and then the team that ended up winning the Stanley Cup again obviously. So, you know, there was obviously pressure to get better, but this is now like we lost to a team that was worse than us that we should have beaten. And we were one of the best teams in the league and fell flat on our face and got absolutely like shit housed on the road in these playoffs. Like it was embarrassing. It was a failure. It was a straight up failure. And and you can't say it wasn't. And, you know, I I drew another parallel to last off season. It's like, (laughs) <laughs> you saw what they did with the goaltending position, right? They totally made it over. They said, this goaltending is not good enough to win a Stanley Cup. This team's ready to win a Stanley Cup. We need to take that step. They remade the goalie position. And Ronta, for what it's worth, was part of the reason why the Canes made it out of round one. He was phenomenal. And yeah. Definitely the reason why the Canes were competitive in round It was a hundred per season. It was, you know, you can't, that's so far down the list of reasons they lost. It's not even on the list of reasons they lost. No, it's not. Yeah, exactly. The, re- the reason it is was the forward core, the power play, the offense in general. Yeah, this I mean the Canes, their their typical scorers. I mean, Aho had, let's see, he had that goal in game one. I think he he had the assist in game two. I don't remember if he did anything else after that. He might have gotten an assist or something on the road. I said this last week. I said Betch was Aho, not good this series. Last week I said Aho disappointing. Sveshnikov disappointing. Literally, I, I, I can't think of one offensive player that was like, oh, he was great in the playoffs. Tara Biden was quietly great. Tara Biden was very good. He yeah. led the team in scoring, sure. which, I mean, it, it's such like a Tavo Tara Biden thing, too, where, like, you had no idea that he – I had no idea he led the team in scoring until they mentioned it. And I was like, really? Yeah. Trocek had a great first round and then dried up. Yep. Niederreiter, kind of the same thing. Natchez had a terrible playoff. Kokaniemi, I mean, he, he he wasn't ever an offensive player this season, but you still expect more from him. Yeah, he's, he's impacted I think def- the game in many occasions, but he didn't do that tonight or in the series. Defensively, either. he was fine. Um, 
but the the issue again is just the fact that he did nothing offensively like the rest of the team. Like, yeah, it was tough. It's over with now. Obviously, there's nothing they could do about it. Hopefully, they compartmentalize and kind of say, "I hope they're mad about it." You know, I, I hope it. Oh, drives I'm sure they them. are. I hope it drives them, and they sit here all offseason and stew on it because. I mean, look, if the Rangers go on to win this series and go to the final, that's really going to be frustrating. And if they don't, they beat the Lightning a lot over the course of the re- – they were really good against the Lightning this year in the regular season. Now, of course, that's the regular season. That doesn't mean anything, but that it's still going to be on we their were, minds. We were good against the Rangers too. But, sure. but And the Bruins. But this is all going to show you that the Hurricanes know they can beat all of these teams, right? So whoever moves on – Human nature, they're going to sit there and say, there's no reason that shouldn't have been us. And we already saw that in the post-game pressers. They knew this team had what it takes to do a lot more than they did. Well, they should have done it. Exactly. But it needs to be a driving force. It needs to be a motivator. It needs to piss them off. And they need to come back next year and prove that that's not just a bunch of BS that they're telling themselves to make themselves feel better, right? Yeah, I'm I'm very disappointed in the team's leadership core because I think – the team during the Rangers series was missing that spark. Yeah. Like the Rangers, and it, I mean, for five straight games, they went five straight games scoring a power play goal in the first period. And then it was like after they scored that goal, that was it, man. Yeah. When they went up the, one nothing, it's sad, but in game seven, as soon as they went up one nothing, I was just like, you know what? They I was like, that's just it. lost. Yeah. And I, I, I like, I was looking, at least I said, like, because the Canes had a chance right before it. I believe Ajo had a breakaway, right? Yep. And he didn't score on that. Immediately they go the other way. And I said, that's it. Yep. They're not going to come back from that. Because. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the power play, though. Because and, and it just goes to show the general, what the difference was in this series. A, you know, elite goaltending, which. I think the Hurricanes mostly had, really, even though it's not, you know, an elite goaltender. I think they got elite goaltending from Ronson. They did, absolutely. At least at home. On the road, he was shaky like the rest of the team. But well, again, on, the, on the road, the, the team egg. sucked in front of him. Right, so exactly. Chicken, chicken or the egg on that. So you can call that a wash. But the other thing, when they don't, you know, when Shesterkin's not bailing them out, they have guys that even when they're not scoring, even, or excuse me, even when they're not creating consistently within the flow of their offense, when they're not, you know, playing Rangers hockey, which is uh, kind of similar to hurricanes hockey in a lot of ways, they play with a lot of speed and they have some talented offensive players, but when they're not, you know, dominating the pace or dominating possession, they have guys that can score anyway. The hurricanes don't when the hurricanes aren't creating, when they're not dominating possession. And even a lot of times when they are, they don't have a guy that finishes I mean, this is something we've been talking about for years now. And it's something that I think if they don't fix this offseason, it's a huge failure of the regime because it just stared you in the face and screamed at you, this is the problem. Because, I mean, look at Mika Zibanejad and Adam Fox and Chris Kreider. All these guys, they need one split second and they're going to score on you. How many times is Zibanejad? I mean, I, I used this example last week again and again. I didn't need to do this with a bunch of – you know, overlap, but I want to get your thoughts on it. So think about the first period of that game seven. They scored two power play goals in the first period. 
And from that point on, the game was over. But the first one, the Hurricanes absolutely dominated at least the first minute and a half of that power play. The oh, for barely sure. had zone time. They and then all it took was a second. Mm-hmm. And Adam Fox scored. An elite player makes an elite play. Second power play took them 11 seconds to score. Yep. They got the puck to Zibanejad. He hit Kreider in front of the net, tip in goal. Yep. Where is that from the Hurricanes? Where well, is that the, creating the problem magic out is, of nothing? The problem is that the Rangers did a really good job of using levels of their power play, whereas the Canes just bumped it between the three players in a triangle. At the top of the umbrella, as you pass back and nothing. forth until you one time and into the defender's You're not pass, gonna, that's all they can do. D'Angelo, again, a I don't like to throw around the word useless because like that, that can be harsh, but he was useless on the power play this, this series. <laughs> he was. Because all he did was either pass it to the same players and do nothing to make the job harder for the defense, or he would fire a lazy ass wrister into somebody's shin pads and then have to go chase the puck out of the zone. Useless. It was. And then you've got Svetch doing the exact same thing. Useless. Svech, I don't know what this power play. Man. I, I, he, I, I was shocked. It's like he got the puck at the top of the circles and he was like, I am now Alex Ovechkin. I'm just going to fire a shot every time. Shin pad, shin pad, shin pad. And it's like a, a huge story before, you know, I, I clowned on somebody for saying like the Rangers blocked a ton of shots and the Canes didn't. LOL. Like the Canes are a soft team. But like, the Canes gave the Rangers so many block shots because they didn't make it hard to on the Rangers. They weren't creative. Their creative players weren't creative. I mean, so here's the here's the the one ray of positivity that I have is that Seth Jarvis was our best player and yeah. he's only going to get better. Yeah. Jarvis is only going to improve from here on out. He's not even 21 yet. Like he just turned 20. So good. that's awesome. The problem then is you've got a whole bunch of other players who are a lot older than him that didn't do anything that didn't work hard, <laughs> that just were complacent in that series. And as soon as Jarvis got hit, I mean, it led to a power play and then they scored that power play goal against, but I could tell as soon as Jarvis got hit, I was like, that's it. <clears throat> Cause he's the only player that gave a damn. Yeah, that's again, my take. That's, that's what I was saying about like just the little things that this team is supposed to pride itself on and be built on. You know, I made a grit and grind reference in my article the other day, the classic good old grit and grind. And it's like, well, where the hell is it? You know, I, I, I can't believe that at this juncture in the hurricane's trajectory, we're getting whatever the hell that was. So yeah, yeah, definitely frustrating. Well, um, definitely going to be an interesting then- off season and you also have the fact that like nobody stood up for Jarvis when he got absolutely rocked. Yeah. When, when uh, Domi got hit up high, the one player to stand up for him was Steven Lawrence. He gets that, uh, the stupid ass instigator penalty. Yeah. was The dumbest freaking rule in hockey, man. Uh, Well, not the dumbest rule in hockey, but it's pretty freaking stupid. No, I I agree that people need to not be charged or or they they don't, they shouldn't have to fight for a clean big hit. Sure. But if I, I, I I don't hate that you have to like stand up for your teammates though, like show some fire. Yeah. And to have Rod basically get pissed at Stevie for doing that, for standing up for his own teammates. Like 
that's yeah, so demoralizing. Like that. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that either. Like, there was some weird Brendan Moore. I, I, I certainly for him. It was. It's been. It's been a weird. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's not. We're not like sitting here like fire Brendan Moore. No, like, certainly not. But no. I, I hope this was a learning experience for him too. You know, like at some point you do have to piss or get off the pot, though. Yes. Absolutely. You have to you have to be able to adapt. And what we've seen with Rod is he's not very open to changing the way no. that they do things. But you know, and he's made the statement before that he's team success. Yeah, but he's made the statement before. You know, he's kind of tried to tell us strategy and stuff is not really his strong suit. <laughs> and, then and get an assistant who's good yeah, at strategy. Yeah, and get Jeff Daniels the hell away from the team. Get like <laughs> fuck, you've got two coaches on on the market right now. That would be perfect. Oh, bring bring Bruce Cassidy in here. Bruce Cassidy would be awesome here. Like not as a head coach, and I doubt he would take anything less than a head coach. Right. Job. He's he's gonna get a head coaching gig somewhere. But like, well, I mean Graham, but you gotta get somebody in here who's good at strategy because I mean the power play, that's the biggest problem. The system's dog shit. Yeah, and it's like the Canes have players that can finish. But as we saw this season, when that power play started to drag on, it dragged on. Yeah. All right, I'll so just... as we like to do just about every year, um, actually, we've done this midterms. We do offseason grades. We just – we are very judgmental. So that's yes. what we're going to do. This is facts. <laughs> but first, we are going to take a minute and get a quick word from DraftKings. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals are scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you catch our podcast for important details. We are going to grade the 2021-22 Carolina Hurricanes based on their entire body of work. It's not just going to be that disappointing playoffs, although we are going to count that in our grades, right? Yeah. Uh, what I might do for some players is do like a, a like a regular season grade yeah. and then a playoff grade. I think it's a good way to do it, probably. Especially yeah. if it's like really worth, you know, a tale of two seasons, if you will. Um, yes. So, yeah, for some players, let's, uh, let's, that's a good call. We'll do uh, a regular season grade and a postseason grade. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler. Martin Natchez is not going to get a uh, – he's not going to be curved, put it that way. <laughs> no, we're not grading the curve for anybody here. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's start with Frederick Anderson. All right. I, you know, I just saw on Facebook and <laughs> – Oh, God. Oh, God. Right, first Facebook. of all, I'm sorry for even bringing this up, but, my, you know, my mom still posts all my, like, articles on Kane's Facebook, which is cool because, like, I mean, it's more engagement. So it gets me more views. So whatever. I appreciate her doing that. But anyway, um, <laughs> somebody said Frederick Anderson quit on the team. Buddy, he was hurt. <laughs> he, what, didn't he have a torn uh, – he had a like torn, a torn muscle in his, 
MCL. That's what it was. His MCL. Like, <laughs> you go out there with a torn his MCL. MCL quit on him. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, I don't see how you give Frederick Anderson anything other than an A minus. I think I give him an A plus. You give him an A plus. Okay, I'll give him yeah, an A minus. The best goaltending we've had. We've had. Sure. sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. Uh, I'd say. You know what? Yeah, yeah. I'm not even gonna give him the minus. I'll give him a straight up A. He, I was gonna say because he had like one little stretch where he struggled, but it's like that's kind of not fair because who doesn't? I mean, Shesterkin had a shitty stretch at the end of the year too. So yeah, he got he gets an A. Absolutely, that's an easy one. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna give us Kachetkov because that's such a small sample. Um, I give him a, a B plus. I mean, I mean, shit. so would I, but like it's such a small sample that I feel like it's unfair to him to like grade him because. Three regular season starts, um, cut a handful of playoff games. Well, it's just it's a it's a lot for him. So I feel like it's unfair. I'm just gonna go straight to Ronta here, and I feel like Ronta gets a B plus for me. He would have gotten a B, but I think his playoff performance ups that to a B plus. I think during the regular season he was just like okay, but right, you went a little bit higher on Anderson. I'm going to go a little bit higher on Ranta. He's your backup goalie. I'm giving him an A. He struggled early in the season. He had some games where he just didn't look that great. Um, And Anderson was running away with the start. So it was like, it it probably took him a little bit longer to get situated because it was hard not to play Anderson the way he was playing. But with how strong he came on, probably when the calendar turned to 2022, probably somewhere right along there, he was fantastic from that point on. And then obviously when Anderson goes down and he's asked to be the one for what the first time in his career, well, I'm sure he's been the one at some point in his career, but he's asked to play, you know, every other day for over a month. That's not he something was really he's good. used to doing and he was absolutely stellar. So yeah, I, I'm going to give him an A, you know, you, you can't ask for much more from a backup goaltender than what we got from Monty Ranta. So fantastic season. I give him an A. All right, Ethan Bear. Let you start this one off. That's such a tricky one, man. I, I, I think the answer is C, just because I, I think, it, you know, if we got the player we saw alongside Jacob Slavin at times this year, all year, it's a hell of a lot higher. I thought Bear showed a lot of promise, and I'm really interested to see what they do with him as an RFA this offseason because they do have holes to fill, and you can probably get him on the cheap on like a one-year deal. So do you bring him back and slot him in? You know, he's not a great third pairing defenseman, but if you want to give him top four minutes alongside a decent partner, I think he's a really good defenseman. I think he is. So I, I'm really interested to see what he, what they do with him, but obviously, you know, he was just so damn unlucky, man. Like it's like his game would start to come around. He start to play so well. Oh, he's got COVID. And then he'd get back and he can hardly crack the lineup. And then he comes back in and he's just not the same guy. So it's, it's really tough to judge, but I, I give him a C just because I saw a lot of promise, but overall the package, what you got from him was a little underwhelming from what we were kind of hoping for. Yeah. For me, I give him uh, a C as well. I, I honestly want to go a little lower, but I know he was hurt um, during the right. playoffs. So I can't really blame him there. Ian Cole. This is a tough one for me. This is another really tough one. Um, but for a veteran third pairing defenseman, I'll give him a C plus. 
I'm um, giving him a C because his penalty issues. The penalties are what bugs me this season. See, I liked him a lot more than a lot of people probably because he did so many little things so well. He was such a good penalty killer in the regular season, blocked a ton of shots, made a lot of just big winning plays, as I say. Yeah, folks, the, the hate for him, I think, was just because fans needed to find somebody on this team to hate. Justin Falk's not here anymore. It's like, first it was Falk, then it was McGinn. Natchez is starting to enter that role, but I think his disrespect is a little more warranted. <laughs> right. uh, I, I would have given him a higher grade if he hadn't taken so many stupid back-breaking penalties. Like, yeah. That, that definitely bumps it. It's not he, – he wasn't on the Justin Williams level of, like, momentum-killing penalties. <laughs> but he was he was damn close, man. He was pushing it, yeah. Yeah. All right, Tony D'Angelo. All right, man. Well, now you're getting into those territory of the tale of two seasons, right? It's like <sighs> – Do you want my This take? is such a difficult grade. You, you can start on this one. I'm giving him a C minus because yes, he had the offensive production, but he was a liability in his own end. He took a lot of stupid penalties. He just did a lot of boneheaded things. And in the playoffs, I just, I could not stand watching him in the New York series. I think he's one of the, biggest reasons as to why we lost that series to me he was one of the more disappointing players in the playoffs and the regular season it was like yes you're getting the offense but he's giving up just as much it was like the jeff skinner effect yeah um i'm not gonna go quite that low i can't decide between a c plus or a b minus because look for all his warts he set a franchise record or since relocation, a record for assists from a defenseman. And for a lot of the year, he was really good on the power play. Now that gets knocked significantly because of how porous he was when the games mattered most. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, damn, I, I, I'll go with the C plus because you wanted, you needed more from him in the postseason. You needed more of that physical edge he was supposed to bring. He didn't provide that. He just – he fell short in a lot of areas the Hurricanes really could have used when it matters most. So I have a hard time giving him higher than a C-plus. And, I mean, look at Slavin's advance, you know, his analytics. What has he been his entire career? And, and from the eye tests especially, he was the same guy this year. He was just carrying around a defensive anchor. Yep. So I don't like the ripple effect that had. I hope that if the Hurricanes do bring D'Angelo back, they'll find another partner for Jacob Slavin which I don't think that would be the case, unfortunately. But anyway. Brett Pesci. He and Brady Shea, in my opinion, were our best defensive pairing. Pesci, Pesci and Shea, for me, both get A's. Yeah. Um, I don't see how you get Pesci anything other than that as well. He chipped in <laughs> offensively. He was the same guy he's always been defensively. A lot of nights they got the toughest defensive matchup at home, on home ice because, you know, Slavin, D'Angelo. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see how you give Brett Pesci anything other than an A. He continues to be one of the better second-pair shutdown defensemen in hockey to me. And I'm giving that to Slavin <laughs> as well because Slavin has the same – I mean, like, he had to carry D'Angelo all year defensively. 
No. Oh, was Shay, was Shay next? Yeah, it was Pesci, Shay, then Slavin. Okay, so I guess we'll just do all three at once here. This is good. This is good. Like I said, I got to get up at seven o'clock tomorrow morning and head back to Raleigh and go to work. So yeah, I'm trying. Um, I'm trying to make it fast for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll keep it moving. We'll keep it moving. So Brady Shea, yeah, um, Brady Shea was also fantastic this year. Obviously, the offensive explosion. I don't think anybody really saw that coming, and it was. I mean, he was stellar. Um, so yeah, Pesci and Shea again. A lot of what I said for Pesh goes for Shea as well. He was stellar. Um, he created so much offense, did everything defensively, took difficult matchups. Um, it's really not possible to give him worse than that. Okay. And then Slavin. Yeah. I, I, I might, I might go a little bit down and do like, cause it's not like we're grading every player on the same curve, right? We're kind of grading them for what we need from them, what the hurricanes need from them. Yeah. All right. No, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Slavin an A as well. You're right. <laughs> And then finally, I pop myself into that one just because I mean, the offensive numbers obviously that was a big deal. The <laughs> step he took offensively this year, what did he have 44 points, something like that? He had a ton of assists, he stepped into play a little bit more confidently and more consistently. So, I think Slavin should get an A as well. You're right. And Brendan Smith gets a C for me. I'm not really elaborating too much more on that. Yeah, I mean, I probably was bubble, tight. I'll bubble up to a C plus for his postseason play because I do think he's very much built for that style of hockey because he is a little bit more rugged he plays a simple north-south game and I I think that plays well in the playoffs but um yeah he he wasn't exactly a huge impact guy so it's hard to go too much higher than that all right Aho this is a tricky one um B plus for me in the regular season I'll probably give him a a minus um he took another step he you know handled any and all responsibilities and um he he was tasked with you know matching up with good forwards he was tasked with carrying a power play and a penalty kill i mean he he literally did everything for this team but then if you want to go playoffs it's kind of hard to give him more than like a d like he didn't do anything <laughs> he was, he was great out. in the first round he was good in the first at round home. at home he did absolutely nothing in boston and then in the second round he didn't really do much of anything so it's like I have a hard time giving him much, you know, even an average grade, considering he was totally outplayed by especially the New York Rangers' um, top lines. And it's it says a lot that they were willing to make that matchup. Rod Burnamore yeah. is not choosing to match Sebastian Ajo with Mika Zibanejad at home ice. And, yes, New York doesn't have the equivalent of Jordan Stahl, but he could just as easily match, you know, Barclay Goodrow with him which he was out for a lot of the series. So, but you get my point. Like it's, it's, it's telling that Gerard Gallant said, yeah, you guys go ahead and match up with them because you're going to outplay them. And they did. Yeah. So um, obviously Domi got Max Domi is next. Um, Obviously he was a trade deadline acquisition and, and kind of working up a small sample size here, but I don't know, a C C minus maybe (laughs) like I, I, he had obviously He's going to be kind of a folk legend in Carolina for his game seven performance against the Bruins. But other than that, he was, he was pretty unnoticeable. Yep. He gets a D he didn't do anything. Game seven <laughs> doesn't, it really truly like when you look back on it now, like the Canes didn't win the cup, that yeah. game seven performance really doesn't mean anything. And you go out, you don't get give up really anything to get him 
But for a player that's making a ton of money against the cap and a player that's billed as an offensive player that is notoriously poor defensively, he didn't do anything. Yeah. I think we can clump Jesper Fast, Jordan Stahl, and uh, Nino Niederreiter together because they were on a line. and It was one of the best shutdown lines in hockey. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they were fantastic all year long. Um, I, I love Jesper Fast, honestly. I think he's such a great fit as the Hurricanes, you know, bottom six right winger. He does – makes all those little winning plays great defensively. And from and every once in a while he'll pitch in some offense. Obviously, he had that great stretch earlier on in the year. Um, he's he's a, he's a very good player. Very he's the kind of player that you can will help you win a lot of hockey games. Um, and really, the same goes for both Jordan Stahl and Nita Niederreiter, although in kind of different ways. Obviously, Stahl is kind of the on ice leader and defensive center that did a phenomenal job in the playoffs. He's one guy that I can't really you know, go too hard on because his job was not to score. He was shutting people down. He did a great job of that um, when the Hurricanes were on home ice. And Nino Niederreiter is an A, um, and the Hurricanes' priority for re-signing, if you ask me, because of how how many of those little things he does in addition to being a power forward that scored 24 goals this regular season in a bottom six role most of the year. So I think that's a guy you can't really afford to let go when you're – when you're already an offensively starved team. So A for Niederreiter, uh, I'll probably go B-plus for Stahl and a B-plus for Jesper Faust. No arguments here. I'm giving Seth Jarvis an A. We've already really talked about it. I'm moving on to Kokaniemi, if that's cool with you. Yeah, we've talked enough about Jarvis. He definitely – you can't ask for much more from a rookie. He's got a super bright future. Yep. Kokaniemi for me gets a C. I wasn't – I was very whelmed by him this season. <laughs> like, just – he was eight out of 10. The Hurricanes need him to bust his ass this offseason and get a lot stronger and work on a few things. And he needs to prove them smart next season because there's going to be a lot of questions asked about that extension and really the offer sheet in general if he doesn't take a big step next year. And frankly, the team really needs him to. So I agree. I'll give him a C. He had flashes, but they could have used a lot more, especially down the stretch and in the postseason. So we'll go with Stephen Lawrence next. For me, he gets a C. Uh, thought he, I thought he improved this season. Um, the fourth line wasn't really built around its offense. Yeah, it's tough when you're in and out of the lineup like he was. Um, I continue to like his potential. Um, so I'll give him a C plus because um, I think there was a lot of nights that he did bring a lot of energy and was a pretty good player. Um, but – Hopefully he can take another step this offseason as well and show some more of the skill that he showed at in times in the AHL that he hasn't really very frequently in the NHL. Jordan Martinuk. I'm giving Martinuk a D, man. I just – I didn't think he brought anything to the table this year, honestly. They relied on him to be an energy guy that, you know, provides a lot of the little intangibles, and I just don't think he did that this season. Yeah, I'm I know he was hurt a lot, so maybe that's harsh, but especially in the playoffs, it's like he's been sitting, you know, he's got to be eager to get back in there. Now would be a great time for him to, you know, have a classic Martin up game where he sneaks in a goal somehow and just hitting people and doing, you know, positive things and it just didn't seem to happen. This is going this is like a very like anti-Matt thing to say. So like make sure you're sitting down for this. <laughs> 
because you could have spent $950,000 more to keep Brock McGinn in Raleigh for the same amount of time. Actually, he got four years instead of three. But my point still stands. McGinn's a better player. He's better suited for these playoffs and actually brings something to the table. In my opinion, like, Rod's going to go to bat for his guys. Man, I I do not like the fact that we gave Martin up three years because it's just... He's not good. He's not yeah. a good hockey player. All at, right. at some point, you have to just say, dude, like, I, you know, Rod can... Love, get off the pot. Yeah, Rod can love his style of play and all this stuff, you know. But at the end of the day, he's he doesn't produce. Like, he doesn't do enough, consistently yeah. enough, to warrant a roster spot. And I don't understand the obsession with a player that's just – he's not good. Yeah. Like, you, you can find that those players are a dime a dozen in the NHL, and most of them do the job better. And instead, you just keep trotting them out, keep bumping them out into the top six, and it's fucking maddening. Yeah. So, Nate, just for me, we've harped on him a lot. He's getting a D from me. I don't think that's any shock to anybody. I'm not really going to elaborate it on it more because <clears throat> I feel like I've beaten it to death. We've talked about that plenty. Yeah, it's a D or an F for me as well. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand how you give him anything better than that for whatever it is we just saw from him. Just a brutal season. Not really. Derek Stepan. Derek Stepan. I want to give him higher than that because I don't really think it was his fault. No, right? it wasn't. But I, I give him at least a C plus because it, how many big goals did he score during the regular season? It seemed like you know he didn't score a ton, but it seemed like every time he did, it was a big one. So I'm going to give him frustrating to me that he was the guy held out of the lineup when absolutely Jordan Martinuk was getting time. He should have been in for Natchez at times. Natchez should have been scratched. Yeah, it was maddening that he wasn't, but whatever. Yep. All right, Svetch, for me, he's the player that, for me, I have to give two different grades to. Yeah. Because regular season Svetch, absolutely A. Starting to break out and really, like, establish himself as a top player. Playoff Svetch gets an F for me. <laughs> um, he wasn't noticeable at all. Yeah, the one game he kind of showed up for was a – pretty bad loss to the Boston well, Bruins where he scored twice. And other than that, he really didn't do shit and was fighting the puck. He couldn't. Continue. He was physical as hell in game two, but it was like, as soon as that Lindholm hit happened, it was like, he, he didn't want to play physically anymore. That like shook him. Like he yeah. like felt bad because he can cuss the player. It's like, dude, this is playoff hockey. Like, no, hockey. I don't like People it either. Hurt. I've had five concussions myself. Like I don't want to see another player get a concussion, but. At the same time, like this is who's made you the such a coveted player. Yeah. Like you're that physical side that has an effect on defensemen, even when you don't lay them out each time, because they're yep. going to be looking over their shoulders. They're going to know where you are on the ice. It's a lot like Jacob Truba, unfortunately, the shithead mm-hmm. that he is. But uh, you know, it's I, I I agree. Otherwise, like he had such a good season and. We're really starting to see him blossom into a star, and then he turns into a, a pumpkin in the playoffs after that hit. So I'll give him at least an A- minus for the regular season because there were times where he was a little bit quieter than he should have been. He's still got to be more consistent because he's a dominant player when he's on, and the Hurricanes need him to start being that dominant player on a consistent basis. Yes. And I'll give him a D for the playoffs. Yeah. 
Teravinen for me just gets a an A both ways. He's just quietly always good. Yep. And yep. whenever he's out of the lineup, you you notice it. Yeah, I mean, two-way specialist, like, just so good defensively. So many sneaky little plays where he strips a puck or gets a puck out. or and more, Again, I keep saying this, but winning little hockey plays like that, that, you know, have a ripple effect and getting guys off the ice or, you know, taking time off the clock when you have a lead or on the penalty kill. He's just little things, really, really good. He did have some times where he wasn't fighting the puck, you know, a little bit more than we're used to him seeing, but – I'm not giving him anything under an A either, especially considering he missed some time and uh, was obviously a little rusty when he got back. So, yeah. All right, last player here before we go is Vincent Trocek. This is an – oh, man. Regular season Trocek for me gets a B. I thought it, at times it was his best season as a hurricane, and then you look, he had 78 penalty minutes, which was third on the team. So – not great. His playoff performance in the first round, he was excellent. And then again, that Rangers series, everybody dried up and he was one of them. And his line was atrocious. Yeah, I'm going to go. This is another guy. I'm kind of on the fence between B minus and C plus. It's like he had some really good moments in the regular season. He had some moments where he wasn't great in the regular season and he seemed to be pressing in his contract year. And then in the playoffs, like you said, Good first series, probably one of the Hurricanes' best forwards in the first round against Boston, and then pretty awful, just like everybody else in the second round. So, yeah, I, I'll go with a B minus. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. We want to give you our takes on the team. We've got stuff to look forward to, obviously. We've got the draft coming up. We've got free agency. We're going to have a bunch of guests on uh, this offseason as well to kind of look ahead to the future of the team and whatnot. Yeah, we're definitely going to be super busy this offseason. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, as always, with all these guests we're going to have on to talk draft, talk about where the Kings are, where they're going. Um and of course, our own coverage is going to be extensive. You know, this is what we love to do. We appreciate you guys' continued support. Um, yeah, like I said, huge offseason for the Hurricanes. I mean, it's it's going to be really fun to track. And it, it's this is not one that they can fall short. And it's got to be a big one where they make a big splash up front to me. But again, that's all stuff we'll talk about a lot more as we move on. So it was a disappointing end to the season, folks, but... It is still a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.